Welcome to the Sunny Hill Podcast. This message was recorded at our Ferndown campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. Today, I want to talk to you about vision. Today, I want to talk to you about the vision that God has got for your life. Because when we look at the Bible and when we look at the things that God does, we don't always see all the work that goes into it. We look at the lives of the great people. We look at David. We look at uh, Gideon. We look at Abraham. We look at Moses. We look at Noah. We see all the incredible things that God does. But what we don't do is that it starts off with something like the end of that video. It starts off with just an image just a picture, just a reflection. And God calls us, often not with a loud voice, but God calls us with a quiet voice, with a quiet reflection. And today, we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham a little bit. And we're going to see how God called Abraham and how this amazing guy who starts off Christianity effectively, and Judaism, and uh, uh, Muslims as well. How he became the father, the founder, because of this one word that God calls, and how God changes lives. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you and I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. A lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot and his wealth, his livestock and all the people he had taken into the household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham travelled through the land as far as Shechem. Then he set up camp beside the Oak of Moreh. At that time the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Last one. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abraham travelled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord. Then Abraham continued travelling south by stages toward the Negev. This morning... This is about Abraham, isn't it? This is my Abraham one. (laughs) This morning, that's not going to work. I want to talk about Abraham and the blessed life. Abraham had a call from God. It was a call from something... And it's a call to something. And yet, it happened in stages. So, first of all, let's start off with Abraham. He was doing okay, actually. 
He was 75 years old. He wasn't David, who started off like a shepherd. He wasn't Gideon, who started off in a threshing wheat or anything like that. He was 75. He was successful. His dad was Terah, uh, was a successful merchant. And they lived in this place called Ur of the Chaldees. Good word, Ur, isn't it? Here it is. And this is where he starts off. This was ancient Mesopotamia, about the end of the Bronze Age. And over the Chaldees now, that area is called Iraq. And just round the corner, you had this place called Babylon. We've all heard of Babylon, haven't we? Babylon was the place of evil. It was the heart of what the devil was doing. It was the place where things had gone wrong. And what we've seen in, when we come into Genesis chapter 12, the bit that we've just read, is that God is changing the narrative. Up till now, we've had a history where God, builds, where God creates things good and then we ruin them. And God creates things good and then we ruin it. We start off with, with Genesis, don't we, where God makes the world and it's awesome and it's beautiful and we mess it up with sin. Then we move into Genesis chapter 6 where we have this guy Noah. And the whole world has gone to pot and it's rubbish and it's terrible but God rescues Noah and makes a promise to Noah and it's all going to be great and then we mess it up and we end up at Genesis chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 11, if you're in your Bibles, that's the bit before Genesis chapter 12 and it says this, They said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Everyone's heard of the Tower of Babel, or the Tower of Babel, as I think it's, it's called in, in America. And the Tower of Babel was the, was the epitome of humanity saying, we don't need God anymore. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to do it in our own way. And God is taking people. God is, wants people to move from the chapter 11 thinking to chapter 12 thinking. In chapter 11, humanity is saying, we don't trust God. We're going to put our trust in ourselves. We're going to group together. In chapter 11, the builders thought that by their own skills, they could do something that was going to reach heaven. Chapter 11 people put their trust in their own skills. In chapter 11, the builders thought that they could become famous by themselves. That doesn't sound good. In chapter 12, God is saying, I will make you famous. And I will make you a blessing. In chapter 11, the builders sought to huddle in one place so that they avoided being scattered. In chapter 12, God says to Abraham, go into the world. I will scatter you and you don't have to put your trust in your friends. You don't have to put your trust in your skills. You don't have to put your trust in your community. You put your trust in me. And God spoke to Abraham and says, come out of that and come into what I have for you. Now, I'm looking for a word, here it is. When God says, I skipped through it earlier, in this bit, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. 
How many times do we read that? Loads of times. It's sort of like, it's sort of one of those verses that you sort of know, isn't it? That's sort of like built into you, that everybody knows. And so when they asked me to talk on this one, I said, what does it actually say? And it's really amazing. Because there's two words that are in here. Leave your native country and go to the land that I will show you. So I thought, okay, I'm going to look up and find out, just out of interest, what am I talking about? What is this native country? The native country, the word that's used in Hebrew, I have to check it up on here, is called guess. I'm not asking you to guess. It's called guess. A guess means world. It's actually the word for earth. It's the word for planet. Go to the land that I will show you is a completely different, different word. It's the word gen. Gen is not the world. Gen is not the earth. Gen is the universe. Go to the world. Leave the world that you're in and come to the universe that I have for you. Isn't that amazing? And you start thinking, I never saw that before. I thought, well, I'll stop now, actually. That's quite good. I quite like that, actually. Leave the world in which you're living and come to the universe that I have for you. Leave your trust in what you have behind you. Trust in me, and I will show you what is to come, and I will make you a blessing, and you will be a blessing. You see, God is a God of eternity. He's not just a God of then, He's not just a God of now, he's a God of tomorrow as well. And because he's a God of tomorrow, he can see tomorrow better than we can see it. And God calls us from tomorrow to say, I know what I've got in store for you. You trust me, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. He's the God of tomorrow, not just the God of today. And so Abraham heard the voice of God. And Abraham decided to travel from this physical place, Ur of the Chaldees, from this physical place, Babylon, into the world that God had got for him. And that was good. Let's go to Canaan. And so he did. But he went by a really weird way. Now, this is the interesting bit. Because I have to try and read this in the dark. He started off in Ur of the Chaldees, number one. Ur of the Chaldees was Babylon. His father, Terah, was actually an artisan. But he built idols. He built false gods. Abraham grew up in a household that worshipped false gods. And not only worshipped false gods, but promoted false gods and sold them to other places. And yet God reached Abraham in the midst of this place of infidelity in the midst of this place of evil, and God could still reach him. Isn't that amazing? In the worst family, possibly in the land, someone who actually didn't just worship other gods, actually sold them and promoted them, and yet God still reached him. I think that's amazing. We think God can't reach us because we're so bad. If God can reach Abraham, God can reach you, and God can reach me. And so, where's number two? I'll need some help with this. Number two, Haran, over here. So, Abel, oh, thank you. There you go. Yeah. Abraham, 
<laughs> Abraham went, went from Ur of the Chaldees, from Babylon to Haran. When he reached Haran, wasn't particularly brilliant there, his dad died. Oh, come on, give me that. <laughs> his dad died. And you could imagine going from Ur of the Chaldees, think, it's going to be great. We've heard people say that, haven't we? It's going to be great. And then you come to the first place that you put your trust in God for and you're hit by family tragedy. Abraham had to leave his family ties. Where's number three? Over here? Where's three? Three, 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 three. Damascus. Now, Damascus is really good. At Damascus, he met someone called Eliezer. Eliezer was a stranger to him, but came into his family. And Eliezer was someone who later on, after he died, introduced his son, Isaac, to Rebekah, who founded the nation of Israel. Abraham had to trust God to find his friends. Abraham had to trust God with his relationships. Where's number four? Four. Here we are. Oh, four was okay, actually. Shechem. In Shechem, he'd reached Canaan. Yay! God said to leave you and go to Canaan. Okay, I'm here now. But God wasn't just content with the physical move. There was a lot more in store. And Abraham had to trust God that even though he was in this place initially, the journey wasn't over. Five? Five, Bethel. What happened to Bethel? Oh, famine. It wasn't very good in Bethel. <laughs> Abraham had to trust God for his food. Six. Oh, I know where six is. <laughs> Number six is all the way out here. Because after, <laughs> after they left Bethel, in the famine, Abraham had to go to Egypt, which is the antithesis of everything that God wanted. Because remember that his children's children were sold into slavery in Egypt. And Abraham had to go to Egypt till the famine was over. And then... Bethel again. Oh, I should have done this 20 years ago. <laughs> In Bethel. <laughs> In Bethel, Abraham had an argument with Lot. These were both herding sheep. And there wasn't enough land for both of them. And so Abraham and Lot separated in all they can do. And Abraham gave the best pastures to Lot. Abraham had to trust God with his business. What am I on? Eight. Where's eight? Over here. Thank you. I'm walking. Anyone got a pushchair? Hebron was okay. Nine. Dan. Oh, I'm thinking. Lot was kidnapped. Just when you think the kids have left home. <laughs> Lot was kidnapped and taken hostage. And so Abraham had to stand up for what was right. And they started going to war, which took him all the way to Hobar, 
which is not something out of Game of Thrones. Hobart. Uh, and they had a war where Lot was rescued. Then we get to Salem. It's getting slow with this. <laughs> Over in Salem, used, used to be known as Salem, also known as Jerusalem. This is where Abraham met someone called Melchizedek, who most people, uh, Bible scholars, feel was a, an Old Testament personification, appearance of Jesus himself. Actually in the place where Jesus was to die, Abraham met Jesus. Abraham trusted God with his finances there because he gave his finances to God. In uh, 12, <clears throat> Hebron. One word, circumcision. 13, <laughs> Where's 13? Over here. Oh, here it is. Gerar. He lived with the Philistines. People who weren't fitting in with his, style, his lifestyle. People who weren't doing stuff the way that God wanted him to do. And yet God called him to live with them for a while as well. And to model Jesus and God to them. 14, nearly there. Beersheba. Over here, okay, thank you. Beersheba is where his son was born, Isaac. Beersheba is where his family split when Hagar left and Ish, uh, with Ishmael. And so there was a place of family sorrow. 15. How do you solve a problem like <laughs> Mariah? <laughs> Mariah is where Isaac was sacrificed. Wasn't sacrificed, but where God asked Abraham for the ultimate sacrifice, to sacrifice his son. And God demonstrated his grace and his love by rescuing Isaac and Abraham out of that situation. 16 behind me Beersheba that was a rest and then finally 17 Hebron oh there's two Hebrons one over there one over there big circle in Hebron that's where Sarah died and where Abraham bought a tomb and where Abraham finished his journey with God so what am I saying through that apart from the fact I need to go to the gym more often In all of this journey, some of it going backwards and forwards like Hebron or Bethel or wherever it is, it's not just a forward trip all the time. Sometimes Abraham virtually double-backed on himself. Sometimes he thought he'd got there only to find out that there was still a journey ahead of him. You see, we look at the blessed life, the life of being a Christian, in that sort of picture, don't we? that it's glorious, the sun is shining, it's beautiful, it's a nice flat land, it's absolutely fantastic. Where actually, the way that the Bible describes the Christian life, the way that the Bible describes the blessed life, is more like that. 
It's full of rocks and crags. It's not always easy. There's loads of places to see the glory of God, but there's also there's places where actually, where is God? Lord, are you there? There's places where you fall. There's places where you slip. There's places where it just doesn't seem like it's working anymore. And yet in all those places, God is still with us in the same way that God was with Abraham. There's a Hebrew word called Nisayan. And it's the, the, the Jewish scholars say, by virtue of being created by God, every soul contains enormous potential. But this potential is dormant until it's released. And when we pass a difficult test, when we fall, when we slip, when we have the opportunity to grow, two things happen. First of all, a deeper part of God is revealed. We learn to trust God more. And secondly, a deeper part of ourselves is revealed as well. I didn't know that my God was that big. You see, it's very easy just to walk through the pastures. It's very easy to walk through the, through the, through the forest glades and know that God is great because actually we're not testing. We're not trying. The trials aren't there. It's when we have to climb a mountain when the challenge comes, when the biopsy comes back and it's bad news, that's when we have to trust God. And that's when we find out that God is big enough. Bigger than we could ever imagine. Not the God of the earth, but the God of the planet, of the universe. Our God, as the children say, is a great big God. So, we have the choice as Christians to carry on being chapter 11 Christians, to carry on in our little groups, to have our own security, to trust in our own skills, to do it our way, or to move to become chapter 12 Christians that aren't actually quite sure of where we're going. But along the way, we try and do what is right. Abraham was described as a friend of God. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 7 says our God did not drive you out drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham your friend Abraham is the only person in the Bible who's described as God's friend Isaiah 41 says but you Israel my servant Jacob whom I have chosen you descendants of Abraham my friend And James 2 says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous not just by what they do and not just by faith alone. Sorry, I'm misquoting that. Is, is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So what do we learn from this person that's called God's friend? Because as God's friend... I see someone who messed up a fair bit, actually. In Acts chapter 7, verse 35, Stephen is talking, uh, uh, just as he's about to be stoned, about uh, Abraham. 
And he says something quite interesting. That when Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees up to Hebron, the first trip, and his dad died, that was 15 years. God's called me. God wants me to move on, but actually I'm going to stay in the same place for the next 15 years because my dad's not well. Is Abraham disobeying God? Well, in a way, maybe he's sort of saying, God's saying it's okay. But maybe God's also saying, no, I want you to move on. So why isn't that aspect, why isn't what Stephen says in the New Testament reflected in the Old Testament? I think it's wonderful. Because when God looks at us, he sees the good things. He doesn't see that it took us 15 years to get round to following his words. He just sees that we did it. Isn't it great to have a God, a heavenly father, who loves us so much, he overlooks our faults. He's paid for our debts. He's paid for our sin. That Adam, he's fantastic. Oh, I just love him. He's just wonderful. Everything he's done is absolutely perfect and right as far as I'm concerned. That's what God says. God doesn't see all the rubbish that Adam does. God doesn't see how absolutely pathetic Adam is. God doesn't see what a sinner Adam is. God only sees Adam as perfect in his sight because of what Jesus has done. And it's the same for you and it's especially the same for me. God doesn't see us as sinners. He sees us as saved. He sees us as glorious. He sees us as shining. And God stands in our tomorrow calling us forward saying, it doesn't have to be like it is now. It can be different. Just follow me. I just love that. We have a great, great God. Another little thought. And then I'll close. There are two words in Hebrew that I'm going to have a go at. Ola Samara. Can you say that, Ola Samara? And Labeda. Now, for all you know, it could be Klingon. But it's not Klingon. Ola Samara. It depends on how you say it, actually. Labeda. Labeda sounds quite Klingon-esque, actually. You can imagine Mr. Wolf saying it. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, you get the whole point of everything that you could ever want to know as a Christian. I'm going to read it to you from the Bible so you know it's true. The Lord God placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. When we were moving into the Barrington, there was wires all over the place, there was heating plans all over the place, there were computer systems all over the place, and the first thing that the electricians and the IT people asked for is where are the blueprints? What are the plans? What was it originally made to look like? What was it originally made to do? And when God looks at Abraham in Babylon, in Ur of the Chaldees, he doesn't see the son of someone who sells idols. He doesn't see someone who lives near the ziggurat where human sacrifice is made. What he sees is he's made someone with a blueprint. He sees what we can be. And what we can be is this. When God made us, he made Adam and Eve to tend and to keep. Tend is labeda. Or la samara is keep. God made us in our DNA 
to tend the people around us, to keep the people around us. And everywhere that Abraham went, this is what he did. He tended people. He kept them. Sometimes as a gardener in the Garden of Eden, it's not just about always loving the plant. Sometimes there's a little bit of trimming to be done. Sometimes there's a bit of replanting to be done. It's not always lovely. But it's what God made Adam and Eve to do, to tend and to keep. And so this Christian life that we're walking, God blesses us. God sees us as glorious, wonderful people. And he calls us, as we do that, to tend the world around us, to look after the people around us. They don't have to be Christian. They don't have to be non-Christian. They can be whatever they are. They're the people that God made with a blueprint that he has for them. God calls us, be that people that looks after and tends. Be a blessing to the world. Be the Abraham called out of chapter 11 to live in the universe of chapter 12. To tend God's people. To keep God's people. And as we do that, we are a blessing. And as we do that, we open our lives up to be blessed by God. For me, that's what my Christian life is about. Rubbish at it, though I am. That's why we work for charity. That's why we care for people who can't look after themselves. That's why we clean the feet of 800 people. Not because it's fun, because it's nice, but because it's what God has called us to do, to tend and keep those around us. And God may not have called you to look after people's feet. You can thank God for that. But he has called you to tend others. So this week, this day, as we travel through, whatever Babylon we find ourselves in listen out for the voice of God doesn't matter where you are it can be the heart of Babylon and God can speak the most evil place you can imagine God can still speak we can be in church and God can speak and we don't hear him God found Abraham in Babylon God lost Adam in Eden. Wherever we are, we have to be listening to his voice. Shall we pray? Father, today I pray for myself, my brothers and my sisters here. I pray that you will speak to us about how we can be a blessing to those around us. Give us opportunities to change the world around us for your glory that Jesus will be honoured the kingdom will be extended and people will know there is a God who loves them and died for them we love you Lord thank you for loving us and seeing none of our faults 